This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am sitting here with my trusty cohorts. We have both uh, Carolyn Mele. Carolyn is one of the lead coaches. She's been with us here at Eat to Perform for what seems like ever, but I don't think it's actually that long. Um, and then we have our lead of coaches. It's funny, people constantly ask me, you know, hey, what does it take? Um, to become a coach at Eat to Perform, I was like, become Becky's best friend. And so um, Becky is our lead of coaches. She trains all of our coaches once they're um, certified. We have kind of a unique approach, as, as you will see in the conversation that we have here. Um, we also have a flash sale going on. So um, we only have, I think, 12 to 15 people here on the class, it'll probably get to about 15 to 30 um, over the course of the recording. But usually most people in the, in the, it, to the tune of hundreds of thousands listen to the recording. And so, um, but we do have a flash sale. This is a great time to get in on e to perform And, uh, you know, it's really, really exciting. Um, one of the things that I'm going to be talking a lot about is how to succeed at dieting, because I think many people struggle with the, the basic concepts, right? And, and one of the reasons why they fail is because they bite it off in too many chunks too early. I don't know, did I get a little pixelated there? Okay, so uh, so the first thing you should know is that I am currently dieting. And um, the interesting thing about that and the biggest concept with Eat to Perform and really the first thing that um, you need to know is that I haven't dieted in seven years. And that's the big concept of Eat to Perform is that the fewer times you can diet, the more successful you will be. And so I try to live that, you know, as an example. And sometimes that means that I have to be a little bit more comfortable with having a little bit more weight. And I talked about this in one of the posts uh, this week, where I would say for a lot of people who are really pushing performance, you know, if you're not working on a ton, you should probably allow for about 10 pounds in that, you know, seven year period or whatever it is for you. For me, I had to eventually allow 20. And the reason why I had to allow 20 was because I got injured. I think what happens with people that get injured is they often reduce food because there's this false equation in their head that, you know, you're kind of earning your food with exercise. Well, one other way that you earn your food is when your body ups the level of metabolism because you're injured, right? And so that's what happens when it's trying to heal itself. And so, so that's what ended up happening. But my coach is Becky. Um, and, and that's a little loose. Um, I, I have to admit that, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily you know, putting all my stuff in the app. One of the things that's really interesting about Eat to Perform is that we're, we're not one of these programs 
Well, one, you won't be dieting forever, right? It, it's short, concise periods. And, and depending on how much weight you have to lose, you'll just do those cycles kind of strategically, right? And, and that's really one of the big lessons that you have, no matter if you're doing Egypt form or, or anything else, right? Is that you have to get to the point where you have to be done. And what I would suggest to you is that you, you pick a time, right? Rather than a weight goal. Weight goals, most people fail seeking weight goals than ever succeed having time goals, right? And you're much better off with the time goal being, being the way to do it. And then ultimately you can reach any goal. One of the things that I think people, if you're, if you're on this call, there's probably a certain amount of dieting that is baffling to you. It's not baffling to us, right? And the reason why it's not is because our calories are at a higher point most of the time. And so we know anytime we want to hit the button, we can. The reason why people fail dieting over and over and over again is because they, one, set up unrealistic goals that are too big for realistically what they can do in that, in that time moment. And I'm not saying that some people haven't lost 50 pounds or 100 pounds. I lost 100 pounds, but it, but it literally took me two years to do it. That was the basis for what ultimately became Eat and Form. But, but most importantly, it was so much easier than anything that I had ever done, right? Once I attacked it in waves, and instead of trying to lose 100 pounds in, you know, 100 weeks or whatever, um, I lost 20 pounds five times, right? And that's really what made the big difference. And so that that viewpoint is something that you can walk away with and you'll be more successful right now. But if you never get calories up, you know, we had a gal, I was responding to her in the comments of one of the posts and she mentioned, you know, very specifically what her calorie were, was, what her calories were in, in a cut. And then she talked about the calories that she got up to when she considered to be her maintenance, right? Well, her maintenance was very low, right? And, and, you know, the standard that you can look at is typically 500 calorie reduction in caloric deficits, right? So that's the, that's the one pound of loss each week, right? The problem that you run into with that is that if that number's not high enough, the first pull down being 500 calories is about the lowest you can go. And that stops working after a couple of weeks. So you can realistically maybe get three to five pounds more often than not, you're going to get two to four, get really frustrated. And if you have in your mind that you need to lose 20 pounds, it's going to get real frustrated, right? So some of the numbers that we will put out there scare people, but people don't realize always what their body can get away with, right? And so, you know, it scares people when I say the first number is 2000. But one of the things that she was describing that she did was she nibbled at the reverse. So she did 50 calories and she upped it 
from 1400 to 1660. So basically in about five to six weeks, she got it up to 60, 1660. That's a mistake we learned very early on. You cannot do, right? You have to bite it off in chunks. And so um, the real secret of Eaton Form, the thing that makes us so different from everything else is that period. And so, you know, through that conversation, you know, I walked her through. I said, hey, look, you know, at the end of the day, that's the hardest part for a reason, right? And, and so, so hopefully she can get with us, do it the right way, and then we can walk her through the cycles for whatever goal that she has. But, you know, like I said, if you have a goal that's 50 pounds, you know, realistically, you should, you should prepare for at least a year, right? And I would suggest that if you're over-consuming, right, that's the, you know, if you want to know, all your friends have lost a lot of weight, they were over-consuming, <laughs> right? And, and, and usually it's not just food. Oftentimes, you know, one of the, the dirty little secrets about dieting is alcohol, Right? where people are coming home and having a glass of wine or two, you know, and then, you know, if you're, if you get to a deep deficit and you're putting in two glasses of wine, you're not going to have enough protein and preserve your muscle. You're not, you know, you're, you're essentially trading relaxation with the wine for food that you could be eating. Now, the good news is, is once calories come back, you can easily fit in the wine. Your body is adjusted to it. But alcohol, I would say, is one of the biggest issues. Once again, we do need questions. It's not unreasonable that you would not have any questions, that you're just here to listen. Um, this is one of the smaller classes that we have, which totally makes sense because it's April. Um, and uh, it's not one of those high dieting periods of time, right? Um, the other thing that, that was occurring to me and this was really interesting. This this sort of happened, and, and this is why I wanted the, the topic of this podcast to really be about any diet, right? Uh, the concepts of, of calorie reduction in general it is not really different than it is from, from me to perform, right? So you can possibly figure it out. I figured it out, but what I can tell you is that I had some PhDs that I was talking to that I had hired that helped me through the tough spots. And then ultimately what became me perform was I was like, this is for regular people. And so, you know, we've had multiple PhDs that have helped us build each perform. Um, one of the things that happened very early on, and this was something that I learned from my low carb days, right? And, you know, there are two days within each form that are relatively low carb. If you're super low carb, they aren't super low carb, right? They're, they're moderate to low um, for almost everyone. And then the regular days are moderate carbohydrates. But um, what happened at that time was I started to realize um, how many grams for moderate carbs. Um, it, it really depends on the person. I would say that, um, you know, if we're in fat loss, the low carb days are probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about 59, right? 
the um, higher days are going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 159 to 189. So that should should help you. And then we will adjust if we need to from there. Um, now, in a reverse, you know, you can go much higher than that. Um, even in that scenario, most people are not super high carb. Um, they are also moderate carb. Uh, it was interesting. I was just reading something on this marathoners page and he was talking about the amount of carbohydrates, but he was talking about that you shouldn't be carb loading the day before you should literally be carb loading years before. And what are you saying is kind of one of the principles for high performance individuals. And he put out some percentages there and the percentages basically came down to about 400 grams of carbohydrates, which frankly is not that high. And people thought that was very, very startling. And I'm just like, you're ultra endurance athletes, you know, 400 grams of carbohydrates. So if you're not an ultra endurance athlete, you certainly won't be getting that level of carbohydrates, but carbohydrates are favorable for energy. They're going to be favorable for your workouts. You're going to get more out of your workouts. You will hold on to muscle. You'll build more muscle. So that's the reason why that is preferable. Um, but Getting back to my story related to, and I do see the questions coming in. We will get to those relatively soon. Um, but I want to get through this story and then maybe we'll start with questions after that. So, and, and oh, by the way, I don't know if you just know, if you just saw, but I gave you very specific numbers. We are not scared to tell you exactly why Eat to Perform works. You know, most places like ours, you know, don't tend to want to tell you the secret sauce. Well, the secret sauce is not the numbers. The secret sauce is Carolyn and Becky, right? It's the, it's the 80 other coaches within Eat and Perform. It's the, you know, what do I do when I'm sick? What do I do when I'm injured? What do I do when family comes over, right? All these things that people struggle with. And it's those small things that we are able to walk people through that make big differences. When you're, you know, trying to lose one pound a week, you know, for quite some time. And we usually can get people up to two because we're doing more acute cycles. Um, the, the small things really do matter a lot, right? So let's talk about that. So that's what this story is about. So back in my low carb days, right? You know, I had failed ultimately twice. Um, there were many things within, uh, within low carb, that just weren't great fits for me, even though I was not active at that time. I, I, I did not have exercise as a regular component in my life. That was a mistake. Um, but one thing that I found that was really interesting, part of the idea was that, um, and, and, and there's so many messed up things about what I was doing, but it was also messed up things about what I was told to do right? And so the idea was that you would have one, you know, cheat day, right? And, and after I tell you this story, you'll know exactly why I hate cheat days, the concept of cheat days, and why we address that with our super days within each perform that are pretty well defined. 
So what I found was, is that, you know, kind of the basis for why cheat days exist. I'm not saying that cheat days don't have a, have a, a scientific basis. They do, right? Up, upping your level of metabolism does make sense for weight loss. But what I did was interesting because every week I try to lose one pound, right? So that, you know, like I said, that's sort of the standard most people go by. And so early on, I was losing more than that, right? Because, you know, you're getting through the water and this and that. But I wanted an incentive to do better than that, to, to push more than that. So early in the week, what I would do is I would play it relatively close to the best. You know, I wasn't tracking the way that, that we prescribe it, things of this nature. It was just mostly low carb, but it was low calorie. I knew it was low calorie at the time. Um, I think that's one of the, the things that's kind of painfully dishonest about the low carb movement is that, you know, when you add it up, it's just not that many calories, right? So what I would do, um, so one of the things that they suggested was that I make lists of foods, which is like eating disorder 101, right? Um, and the fact that that was recommended by a fairly well, I'm not going to bust them out on our podcast, but but the fact that I, that was recommended by a, a fairly well thought of author, um, not necessarily well thought of in, in the fitness space, but they were you know, a, a someone that is in the ethos. And so I consider them authority on that, that kind of thing, right? And they were lean and, and everything I wanted to be at that time. And what I quickly found out, right? So I, so I, you know, the one thing that you can't do whenever you're looking at any kind, you know, dieting is stress, right? It, it's ultimately your adaptation to that stress that ideally allows you to lose weight or fat. Um, preferably if you're doing it right, you're losing more fat. If you're doing it wrong, you're losing more muscle. So you wanna kind of stay away from doing that because obviously that's just going to extend things. So the first part of the week, I always took that very casual, right? Um, I was very conscious of the scale at all times. Um, it would not have been uncommon for me to check my weight in the morning and in the evening. Um, maybe if I took a bath, I would step on the scale to just sort of see where I'm at. But very early on, I realized that, wow, between day three and four, I could actually get really close to my goal, right? And I kind of had the power, right? One of the, one of the things, if you think about the, the problems that most of us have with dieting, it's that we feel powerless after a while, right? Because we keep banging on the same rock, you know? And so what ultimately I did was I would stay relatively loose 
right? I knew my weight was going to go up after the day where I ate all the food. And I mean, it, it, it was ridiculous. I mean, it, you know, it, the fact that I did not walk away with that with an eating disorder is a miracle um, because, you know, it, it was, it was a shit show, right? Literally and figuratively. Um, and so in the first day or two, I knew my weight would be up. But what I started to see was that after three, four, five, and, and very early on, um, it was day, um, it was day five or six. And I started to actually walk through you know, getting to my goal. So my goal was one pound down. And if I had one pound down, it was eat time, right? So I had a big incentive for a lot of effort closer to the end of the week, right? And so a lot of people within Eat to Perform, I know none of you are, right? But they go, oh, wait a second. This sounds like the rhythm of days. And that's exactly what it is, right? This was kind of the genesis of that. And when I started to do it to eat the perform way, right? Rather than low carb, having calories, tracking the calories, things of this nature, I actually didn't reward myself with food in that way, right? I just kind of stuck to the plan. But, but what it did teach me was that varying the days mattered quite a bit, right? And then I also knew that, you know, making these lists of foods and then just eating all that food in one day, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just mentally unhealthy, it was physically unhealthy, right? And so um, after a while, you know, I did kind of narrow that down to one meal and things of this nature. And so what would happen is I was hitting these goals in three to four days. And so I was losing one pound and then three or four days, one more pound. Now you have to understand at that time, I think I would have been about 225 pounds and I worked my way all the way down to 175. Um, there was a lot wrong with it. You know, I was only sleeping four to five hours a day. Um, I don't, you know, I think I would have been walking, um, but I don't remember it being like a huge thing. Um, not, not the way that it became with Eat to Perform, but, but once I started to do it the Eat to Perform way, where there were higher days, and then there were lower days. Um, it took a few years after talking about Eat to Perform until we really nailed down what is ultimately that rhythm, right? And one of the problems that we had was I knew for fact, right, that I literally had lost, you know, 50 pounds doing it this way, that you had to have food go up. And what would happen is, is when we left it to people's own resources, they would just, you know, we would get questions like literally, hey, you know, I, I was running, ran 12 miles today. Is that a medium day? 
you know? And so the, the day would be low, 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 medium. And that medium day, you know, they ran an ultra marathon, right? I mean, it was just, it, it, was, it was working against everything that I knew worked. And then once we were able to do it in a way, you know, there's a lot of scientific principles. Obviously, we've had multiple PhDs that, that helped us develop each, each reform. But a lot of it has been trial and error, you know, and, and, and we've learned a lot in that process in the way that, you know, we were talking a little bit about, about normalizing calories. When you nibble at it, it's not as good as kind of biting it off in chunks. And so those are some of the things that we've had to figure out. But it's our mindset that food is an ally along the way that makes the difference. But what I thought was most interesting about the story is not the low carb and not the list of foods and not you know all of those things, but think about how empowering it would have been, right? To know, right? Well, you know, I can go for a hike and if I can go for a hike, I don't have to diet tomorrow. I, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a good carrot for me at the time, even though it did set up some unhealthy parameters for my life, I was able to use that as we developed Eat Reform. And to be honest with you, um, most of the PhDs that we were working with at that time, they loved it, but they were shocked that they had, hadn't come up with it, right? One of the PhDs at the time, Mike Nelson, is actually one of the authorities on metabolic flexibility. What I basically just described to you is metabolic flexibility, right? And so um, it was interesting. It was interesting always comparing notes because I'm doing like an N plus one experiment and they're, you know, analyzing all this metadata. And I was like, okay, well, I'll see you when I get back from the hike and, and, and figuring out that way. And now you know, when we have millions of data points and tens of thousands of clients, it's allowed us to kind of accelerate, you know, that, that experimental environment. So um, hopefully that helps a little bit. Um, but if you have any questions, we already have a few questions lined up. So let's start walking through those. Okay, Amy's asking, I've been trying to lose weight for a year and a half and have lost 30 pounds, but really at same weight now for a couple for about a year. I've done low carb, low GI points, intermittent fasting, etc. Is this program a macro counting? She also says, um, I think I have about 15 pounds or so to go definitely have belly fat to lose body fat is still high also menopausal and wonder if hormones are playing into my difficulty and weekend indulging so of course menopause is a bit of an issue right um but in everything that you just described it would if you ask for a formula of how to make menopause worse that would be it <laughs> right because if you never normalize food so like, for instance, you say, well, I do, you know, it's a little bit like you described, except on the weekends, I up my food. The difference being is that five days, you're going to salad it up and eat right or low carb or intermittent fast or, or whatever. 
um, which all of those things can get real tricky real fast. Like there's a lot of studies that back up the fact that not all women respond to IF very well, um, mostly because the um, it's just more extreme dieting. And so if you come from a background of dieting all the time, right, then we run into these problems. The issue that you have is you're trying to diet your way there. And in a lot of ways, it does come down to eating your way there. So instead of looking at, at the paradigm where you eat less all the time, and then you kind of get to this end of the road, you're strategically eating more so that you can get there. Now, one of the things that I'm really careful about with this is that I think that there's a chance that you could join Eat Form as an example and you start eating normal and you might find that you don't actually have 15 pounds to lose, right? So maybe, maybe you haven't been building muscle. So now all of a sudden you start to, you gain, let's say seven pounds of muscle in that process, but you stay weight stable. And now all of a sudden your body starts to look different. You start to feel different. And if you can get over the scale thing, you might find that, you know, you don't actually have to lose 15 pounds. Like if, if you can gain seven to eight pounds of muscle, right? And that's, it's, it's, it sounds like it's really hard, but it's not very hard when someone's come from a long period of dieting where they haven't eaten it in a surplus for a very long time. We certainly have seen that, right? But what you, if you think about it, what you're really trying to do is not lose weight, you're trying to lose fat, right? So if you can replace fat with muscle, right? And in a lot of ways, that's not how it actually happens, but that is what it seems like once you kind of start doing these strategies as we suggest them, right? Well, your body looks different, right? And we see this all the time in the private forums, you know, where, where people come in, they know they were dieting, they start off in performance, we get their calories normal, and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I look so much different, not to mention feel so much different, sleep so much deeper, right? It's all these things that end up being favorable. So I think the, I think the answer to your question is eat the form is exactly what you need, right? Where you can get to that point and don't let your fear because you're in menopause or because, you know, you haven't responded to dieting in quite some time be the reason that you don't do the right thing, right? I mean, ultimately, this is not about weight loss for any of us, right? It's about longevity of life for our clients. If you want to live a long, joyful life, I know our path is better. I definitely know that, you know, eating low five days a week and then things coming off the rails on the weekends, you know, it isn't a life that's going to be, you know, fruitful long-term, right? And actually part of the problem with why you go off the rails on the weekends is because you're probably super restrictive the other five days. Um, Tina is asking, does this work for menopausal women? So you've kind of touched on that. Yeah, so, so I'll go a little bit further into it. So menopause is a hurdle, right? In men, it's called andropause, right? I'm a 53-year-old man. Um, and, and certainly um, the, uh, can you hold on one second? Oh. My ears 
my ears get so itchy with those little earbuds. Um, and so I had to scratch them. Um, so the people on the podcast were like, going, what happened? Um, so you have to realize that just because you're starting from a place that isn't as op, uh, you know, as, as, as optimal as if you were 22 years old, right? Doesn't mean it's not still the right way to go, right? Um, part of the problem with menopause is, and this is the same with andropause, where men and women, we both overreact to what is happening and we undereat. And that was the piece that I struggled with for 10 years. Now, the one thing that is different for a man compared to women is that men don't tend to look at dieting as the answer till very late in their life and women start very early, right? And so is it going to be something that is going to make it more difficult? Yes. Are 70% of our clients in some phase of menopause? Yes, right? So all those pictures you see, you know, all those white-haired people, gray-haired people, Carolyn's got her gray curly hair, you know, we're all in andropause or menopause, right? I mean, that picture that that you would have seen where it's like a three shot of me where I'm obese and then I have abs, right? That I, I would have been in andropause, you know, the early stages of andropause for about five of those years, right? So yes, it does work. Does it mean that you have to be a little bit more patient? Usually if you have kind of overreacted, dieted extremely, all these different things. I do have an article coming out about hormone replacement that I think is going to be really interesting to a lot of people here in the next couple of days, because I think that what happens when you have menopause is you naturally go to, oh, I need hormone replacement. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Hold on one second. Um, but I am on hormone replacement. I'm on testosterone replacement therapy. And I think a lot of people look at hormone replacement as an answer for weight loss. And it is not that right. And so, so you have to, you know, kind of get over that thought process that you can't be in control of your own journey because of this outside force. Now, once again, are you going to lose 50 to 60 pounds? It sort of depends on if you're over-consuming, how much weight, fat you have to lose, all these factors, right? But no, I mean, like I said, 70% of us are in some phase of menopause or andropause right now. Okay, Rabia is asking, hi, I'm hypo, hypothyroid and overweight. Whenever I start a diet, I fail after a day or two, which is very frustrating. My main issue is large portions. How can, um, how can I eat to, how can eat to perform help me? Okay, so, so I don't know what she means by large portions. So if you could get some clarity on that, that, that would be helpful. Um, Okay, so so I am also hypothyroid, right? Um, I actually have it under control. Um, 
I was medicated for a while there. And then after a few weeks, I decided that, you know, hey, look, I've been doing some research. I talked to some doctors and, you know, they said that, that my dieting could have been a factor for my hypothyroid. Now, I just want anybody listening to this to hear me when I say this to you. Paul Nobles is not saying to you eat more food and get off your medication. Paul Nobles is saying Paul Nobles ate more food and got off of his medication, right? Under doctor's care, checking in with my doctor fairly often. And, and so uh, after about two years, um, my doctor was like, we don't need to worry about this anymore. You know, your, your levels are fine. And then I get checked yearly, you know, as a, as part of my physical and it's, I don't think I've ever had a year where it got worse. It's only gotten better. Right. But once again, I'm not dieting. Right. So most people that are hypothyroid, most people that have Hashimoto's, um, don't know the role that dieting dieting plays in that factor and they should everyone should know that right is that dieting makes those things worse so in terms of failing after one to two days my guess is Go ahead. She, I was going to say, so she is always hungry. So she wants to eat large portions. That's why she struggles when she's on a diet. So, so I'm just going to tell you that, that what you're saying are all good things. These, these are things that are actually going to be favorable for your weight loss over time. The reason why you're hungry is because your calories are too low too soon, right? Now, it's always going to be uncomfortable, right? It sounds like you're probably overconsuming, you know, a good bit of the time, and then you're extreme dieting sometimes, right? And that is some of the factors that will, will happen to hypo. Now, sometimes it's genetic. There's a lot of factors that can go on. But my guess is you're not new to the dieting, you know, treadmill or, or merry-go-round, right? And so the way that we do it is we start you off at a baseline that that sucks, right? It's not fun, but it's, it's also not super low. You can fit in foods that you like, right? But here's the reason why you fail. And you probably don't, you know, recognize this when you think about it. My guess is you have more weight to lose than you think you can lose, right? Doing it the way that you're doing. So it's like, oh my God, I'm doing this for three days, you know, and, and I'm only down three pounds and I still have 50 pounds to lose, right? It's like, my husband loves me. My kids love me. I live a good life. You know what? I choose food, right? I mean, this is, this is the part of dieting that doesn't get talked about a lot is that most people are choosing this right? Because the other option is just so much worse, right? 
that's not how we do it. We tear you down to the point of getting uncomfortable. Now, it will be uncomfortable. Dieting is uncomfortable. It's actually the uncomfortable part that is what makes it work, right? Uh, makes it work. Um, the, the, I mentioned earlier that dieting is stress, right? It's that stress that ultimately is what causes your body to adapt to lose weight. But the thing with Eat Reform that is so different than any other thing is that it ends in six weeks. And that was made for people like you, right? Which, oh, by the way, people like you is everybody, right? Is, you know, the biggest problem in dieting is not the dieting part. It's the diet adherence part. And you know what? People like you, people like me, many people within Eat Reform are like, wait a second, I still got 50 pounds to lose. Screw this. You know, I'm going to go have some ice cream. You know, what you'll find is that if you bite it off in chunks, it's going to be better. It's going to be better. And then, you know, whether you have 50 pounds to lose, 100 pounds to lose, 200 pounds to lose, all you then do is with your coach, make a roadmap to get there, right? But more people fail trying to get there sooner at, with, a, with a really low calorie deficit. Almost every diet, every, every major diet out there, like Weight Watchers or Noom, things of this nature, they give you chronically low calories right out the gate. Why? Well, one, they don't know how much you've been eating in the first place, right? So if you were only eating 1,600, you kind of have to be at 1,200. Otherwise, you're never going to get through their two-week retrial period and pay them their money, right? With us, we are much more patient. We start you off higher, and then you actually lose more weight along the way because we're, we're milking every single level, right? With other diets and the way that they do it, you have to be extremely motivated, extremely resigned to the suck, right? All these different things. That's just not how each perform works. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, it, it's so different. I think we're good. We've answered everybody's in here. Okay, perfect. Well, that was a lot of great questions. Um, you know, the menopause thing, you know, it, it's one of these things, if we're all being honest about it, right? It's a little bit better to kind of believe that there's an outside force stopping you from succeeding. And what we try to do is flip that paradigm that puts you in that power position so that you can now have the, the, the wherewithal to get the results that you want. But also some of the what you want changes because if you've been under eating, making menopause worse, all these different things. I mean, I saw I saw something on Amazon today and it was like the menopause diet and it was low carb. And I was just like, there's no way that this is helping the, the situation, right? Especially for someone that's already under eating, right? You want to have periods where food is higher even when you're in menopause and you know let's be real here are you gonna realistically do it by yourself when you see that weights up a pound and a half on tuesday 
No, you're going to solid it up for the next five days, right? Which is why you need a coach. You know, a coach will walk you through all of these things. It's been interesting as we've, you know, we're moving to this new software, which has allowed us a lot more flexibility um, as it relates to building the things that we want to build. And one of the things that we want to build, you know, this is probably years down the line, just to be clear, um, is kind of that piece, that comforting piece, right? Where, you know, look, I understand that your weight is up 1.5 pounds on a Tuesday, right? But here's what happened with this control group of 69 people that were similar to you, right? Now we see this, we can tell you, Carolyn can tell you that, hey, that is normal, right? But I think the data would matter to people more, right? And so these are the kinds of things. And see, nobody else is viewing it from this standpoint. So nobody else can give you that data, right? Noom's too worried about, you know, really a lot of nonsense. You know, Weight Watchers is trying to show you that you can eat tacos in Oprah's kitchen, you know? But it's all really low calorie messaging, right? And so until I see the one other place that's like us, where food becomes an ally strategically, you know, I feel like we're going to be in the best spot to show these people these answers. And, you know, a lot of companies, um, I mean, Noom as an example, has sold their sold to investors, right? Um, and so, so they are more interested in showing a return to their investors then they are actually helping clients with the best approach, right? And if they did, I think they could use some of that AI, not on their sales process, but on the, on the process of, of what works best for clients. Because what we, what we figured out wasn't rocket science, right? Um, natural bodybuilders have been doing some version of this for a very long time. The people that hadn't seen this were 45-year-old, you know, moms with teenagers and that's the difference of what we brought to the marketplace and so i'm comfortable growing slow we've been doing fine you know we're we're a healthy size small business and and it's much more important to me to serve the clients with the right information than it is to get a sale you know with what i would believe is manipulative information there's just no reason to do it that way, especially when the science is all there. It's not like it's not like noon doesn't know eating warm exists, right? They just don't have any interest because they want to be able to tell people, hey, we can help you lose 57 pounds in 53 weeks. And if you do this, you know, and then people don't hold them accountable. When they when they only lose 15 pounds in that same period, people don't go, oh, noon lied to us, right? And, and that's what needs to happen. We need to start holding the diet industry accountable for, for this constant messaging, right? It's not, that, it's not that there isn't a role for eating less occasionally, but there has to be a role where food is part of the equation most of the time. So that's my soapbox. I will now get off and go eat my dinner. I appreciate everybody being here. Thanks, Carolyn. Thanks, Becky, for for taking time away from your families. And I hope all of you have a great weekend. This is our annual cribbage tournament. 
Palmateer Family Cribbage Tournament. 52 people will be showing up. It is a monstrous event of people playing cards all day long. So I appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you later. Bye now.